Hello and welcome to the Women in Tech SEO podcast. I am very excited that we are back for season three. I am Sarah McDowell, an SEO content executive and your host for today. Joining me, I have Abby Reimer, SEO manager at Uproar, to talk about creating content that humans and search engines love. Hello, Abby. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you very much for joining. This season is sponsored by Screaming Frog. Screaming Frog developed crawling and log file analysis software for the SEO industry and wanted to support the Women in Tech SEO podcast as listeners to the show. They've just released version 16 of their SEO Spider software, which includes improved JavaScript crawling to help you identify dependencies such as JavaScript content and links, automated crawl reports for Data Studio integration, advanced search and filtering, and the app is now available in Spanish, French, German, and Italian. You can check out the latest version at Screaming Frog's website, screamingfrog.co.uk. How are we doing? Oh, I'm just, I'm fabulous. I'm kind of ready for fall, crazy enough. Have my fall candles and a sweater on and I'm just, I'm ready to go. Ready for the autumnal, is that the word? Is that the right word? Yes, yes. I I am very ready, especially being from the the Midwest, so it's kind of wild. Usually like summers are too short, no one wants them to end. But this year I'm just, I'm ready for the like smell of fall ready for the seasons to switch. To kick things off, if you can give our audience a brief overview of yourself and how you got into this wonderful world of SEO. Yes, absolutely. So I am an SEO manager at Uproar, which is a search marketing agency in Minneapolis. We focus on e-commerce and tech companies. And how I actually got here was a little a little interesting. As you probably know, if you're in SEO, like you kind of, it's something you stumble into. Um, there's really no degree for it. So it's just interesting how many different paths there are. But um, I graduated with kind of a PR and writing degree and got, you know, a general marketing role. And it was through that, that I was working a lot on the blog. And I worked a lot with email and social and promoting it on different channels. And I noticed one week that one of our blogs was doing really well for traffic. And I was like, I didn't promote this what is happening here? And I was so confused. Um, so I looked at analytics and I was, I saw that Google organic was the top channel that week. And so that question that I typed into Google, it's very meta, but I Googled, how do you show up in Google? How do you get traffic? And I was so fascinated with what I found. I had no idea that it was, you know, how you structure web pages and the actual like queries that you target, that's how people get found, you know, among many other reasons. But um, I just started, I kind of went down that rabbit hole. I started following, you know, Moz and uh, Brian Dean's Backlinko, um, followed a lot of those types of sites. And I just, I fell in love with it. Um, And so six months into my role or eight months or whatever it was, I was like, you know, I really want to work on SEO and content full time. So I ended up going to a content marketing conference where I met my boss, Griffin, and he was speaking about SEO and mentioned kind of casually after the presentation, he's like, you know, I have an agency. I'm one person. If anyone is interested in like freelancing or joining, let me know. And I think I joke that I like kind of blacked out, but all I remember is like walking up to him and like my hand must've been shaking, but I have my business card. And I was like, 
I want to quit my job and come work for you. Uh, could I buy you coffee? And two months later, I was working with, uh, with Griffin at Uproar and we're now, we've gone from two people to 10 people um, over the last few years. And I've just um, really deep dived into SEO and content and I just I really love it. How do you feel about doing a quick fire round of questions? Yeah, hit me with it. Number one, can you whistle? No, that's as best I can do. It sounds horrible. It's not pretty. It's like one note and my dog hates it. So, <laughs> What was the last thing you drank? Um, I'm drinking water now, but the more interesting drink I had was black tea with a bit of magnesium power in it, powder, yesterday. Last thing that you brought yourself? Oh, yesterday I went shopping. I went uh, to get my hair cut and then I went to Sephora. So I got makeup. <laughs> I already know the answer to this question, um, but do you have a pet? I do. Her name is Remy, and she is a one-year-old blue healer. And the last book that you read? Ooh, um, I actually have a 25-book goal. So I read 17 this year, um, and the one I just finished was Jane Eyre by uh, Charlotte Bronte. So how many books have you got left? I've got eight left. So I'm on pace. I need to just do, yeah, two more over the course of the next few months. You've got this. You've got <sighs> Thank this. Thank you. Thank you. What one bit of advice would you give women starting out in this industry? Oh my goodness. Build your network. Um, join Women in Tech SEO. I'm not just saying that because I'm on the podcast. This was um, one of the best things I did for myself in my career. Introduce yourself. Um, and I would say go on LinkedIn, look up people who are doing kind of you know, the dream job that you have if you're not currently in it or you just, you know, know what you want to work towards and just connect with people. Tell them you admire their journey and want to get to know them a bit more and um, see if you can, you know, do a 15 minute chat with them. And the things I've learned from doing this and the confidence I've grown, um, it made me realize that I can talk to anyone. No one's better than anyone else. And it's, it's grown my opportunities tenfold. And you just... You never feel alone when you have that network. And that's so important for women in this industry is to, to feel like you have support. Yes, definitely. And there's loads of places like the Women in Tech SEO, but there's loads of ways that you can go out and look for communities to be part of. But it's so important, isn't it? Because you never want to feel like you're alone. And if you just got that back in it, like can help you, can't it? Oh, absolutely. So we are here today to talk about creating content that humans and search engines love. And when I saw your topic suggestion, I loved this because, yeah, I think this is so, so important. Um, so I was very excited when you pitched this talk. <laughs> First question that I have to ask is, why is it important? I think this is so important because, I mean, I know our roles as SEOs, you know, at a base level, there's many goals, but, you know, rank, rank first page, um, you know, help your client or your business um, drive traffic and conversions from search. However, what I think I wouldn't say people forget, but something that even me, like it, the goals sometimes surpass what is actually happening, which is people are searching. People are on the other end of this, you know, query. Um, so it's so much more important than just ranking. Um, the other side of that is, you know, people, when they're searching for something on Google, Bing, whatever search engine, they're asking you for help. Um, whether it's a more like top of funnel question, like, um, you know, how do I style a romper um, to actually looking to buy something? 
someone is asking you for that advice. It's a real person on the other end. And you want to make sure that you're providing advice that is not only accurate, which is very important, um, but also helpful. So ideally, you're creating something that people take off the internet. Um, so if you're looking, yeah, to, to style an outfit, you want to actually influence or inspire someone um, with that question. And that's kind of, um, I think, what really keeps me inspired with this job is, um, you know, how can you change the world one query at a time or help one person? Um, you know, with their question. When SEOs, I think we can sort of run into the trap of because because we want to understand Google, we we think search engines first, don't we? Um, and do you think that like we tend to forget about humans? Do you think that's an issue? Yeah, and a lot of what I'm saying here comes from firsthand experience. So I am by no means like saying, yeah, I, I always do this. Like I've this kind of <laughs> about because I found myself doing this. Um, yes, I think it is. How could you not think of search engines first? I mean, when your goal is to rank and, you know, say Google gives you kind of guidelines on how to do that. I think it's sometimes your first instinct, like, oh, what are other people doing? Um, and then maybe I can, you know, try and do that a little bit better, you know, copy that structure or, you know, curate some of that similar content. Uh, I think, that is a very natural and normal first response. And I think that kind of content is fine. I think this is just about challenging yourself like to, to be more than fine because I think just like the literacy of searchers is just so far increased. Like people know when they're kind of getting a like copycat piece of content and that's just not going to be good enough anymore. And even though I do see Google still rank that content over time, I think like you know, if humans don't like it, Google is going to hopefully start, their algorithm will start picking up on that and start rewarding the content that does, you know, hit that emotional mark. Yeah, definitely. And we know that Google takes into um, lots lots of different things when it's looking at pages that, um, that are performing well and how to rank pages. But one of the things that it's got to be looking into is user experience because they they care about that at the end of the day, don't they? Um, they're a product in themselves and they have customers. So they're going to be um, sort of like looking at things like bounce rate or where people aren't sticking around and, and things like that. So it is important. I agree. Yeah. And they've... They're kind of dicey on that topic. I, you know, sometimes, you know, like it's it's unclear how much they use like bounce rate or like dwell time, time on page, things like that. But how could they not? Like, yes. I just, so I kind of operate off the assumption, like though they haven't said straightforward, like, yes, we do or yes, we don't do this. Like just, you kind of have to go with your gut a little bit and know that that's important. So you sort of talked briefly there about uh, copycat content. So are, what other issues are there around only thinking about search engines first? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the main, I mean, the main issue is like at the end of the day, if people don't like your content, even if it does rank, you're not going to ultimately meet your goals. And I actually have like an interesting story about this. So one of our clients is in the kind of healthcare support space. So we write a lot about topics like things like, um, like cancer and things like that. So, you know, pretty, very emotional topics. And for one of our keywords, we owned the featured snippet for yeah, very high volume term. Um, so I we're in the best position, right? We've got the featured snippet. Um, you know, why, why bother improving it? 
But I was I was looking at the comments on this page because we like to kind of do that every few months just to see what other ideas people have. And a lot of people were writing that they had an issue with a couple of the things we were suggesting, which, you know, showed up in the snippet as well. So we took note of that and we actually changed them to be more inclusive and just kind of better content all around. Hmm. So maintained the first position, you know, nothing changed with the snippet. Click-through rate doubled overnight. We went from about, I don't want to get it wrong. It was, yeah, it was about 14% to 28% the next day and clicks were up gosh, more than 20% um, across all keywords. And it was one of those cases that really kind of like shocked me. It was like, you can have the best position in search results, but if your audience isn't happy with the content, one, they might not even click. Like if you see that and they, they're like, oh no, those, those answers aren't really good. They're not even going to click into it. Um, despite you maybe having the best like quote unquote SEO result. Um, so yeah. that really kind of, that was two or three years ago. And that really trained my brain to think like, you know what, like it is so much more than ranking. Um, because at the, at, the, at the end of the day, yeah, it's your audience. And if they don't like it, they're not going to refer you. They're not going to share the page. They're not going to sign up for your, um, for your service or buy your product. And I mean, what's the point of ranking in the first place if you're not going to end up with people on your content, right? <laughs> and the results that you just shared there, that's incredible. And that just goes to show you the power of listening to your audience, isn't it? And thinking about the humans. How then? How do we get a balance? Because obviously, we get, we still have to think about search engines and Google. But how, how do we get a balance? Yeah, absolutely. This is a great question. Um, I think, first of all, just wanting to state that most of the, like, fortunately for us, most of the like best practices that you see, like in the quality raters guidelines, most of those things um, that Google suggests to improve your position in search and optimize your site, those things are also good for users. Like just thinking about site structure, like, you know, having things in a heading format and having the keywords in there and just having a very logical site structure one, yes, that's very good for Google because Google can, you know, understand the weight of the importance mm. of the keywords and the headings. But guess what? That's amazing for readers as well. It breaks things up. People can scan the page. If you have things like jump links, yes, Google likes that, but so do humans. Um, so I think like for the most part, if you look through most of the quality reader guidelines, there's not going to be anything suggested in there that's like, wow, humans really hate when, you know, the keyword is used in headings. It's like, no. Um, I think where things start to go awry is when we almost take that too seriously, where it's like, no, we need to have the keyword in every single, you know, heading or every single paragraph. It's like, that's where I think things start to go from like, okay, this is not natural anymore. This feels like it was written for Google. And I think that's where like things start to diverge with the copycat content, which is instead of people thinking like, and again, this is where like I've kind of caught myself doing this, like instead of thinking, oh, hey, like how can we as a business or like my clients, like how can my client use their expertise or use their audience to answer this in the best, most original way? It's really, really easy to think, well, what are competitors doing? Could we just like, you know, could we do the same thing they're doing and just maybe like rank amongst them and it'll be fine? And guess what? Like I've been there. And it has worked. It's worked fine. Um, but I think it's just about challenging yourself to think like not just beyond like beyond results for your client, which of course that's important, but also like 
would I, if I was seeing the person who was reading this, would I feel proud of this? Um, and that is a big mindset shift and it does take more effort. But I think kind of going back to your question, which is how, how can we do both? Um, I think it's keeping the best practices that, you know, search engines, like talking about things like formatting, obviously like using the target keyword in your page title, things like that. Like those are all obvious and they work for readers, but where I think the biggest opportunity is in like, it's in the actual content and the way we write making things more empathetic and just listening to your audience's feedback. Yeah. I, I hope I, that kind of was a broad answer. I mean, that, that was a wonderful answer. <laughs> so much fun, that. But I just want to go back to, uh, so where you said where the, you can sometimes you kind of, people think, okay, what are our comp- competitors are doing? Why is this piece of content ranking above us on positions one or two? But, I think that you've said it so many times about like about standing out and being different because mm-hmm. um, there's so many times where I've been doing some like research and on page one there's like similar content about I don't know the be- benefits of a certain um, yes. uh, product or a service and they all sort of have the same sort of structure uh, they all talk about the same things but then the ones that stand out to me are the ones that takes a completely different angle um and whilst sometimes those pieces of content could be further down on page one it still gets my eye because it's completely different so I think it's about just readjusting and thinking about things a bit differently isn't it yes and I completely agree and I think one of the best first steps in figuring out how you can do that is simply taking an objective like standpoint and for your target keyword go through the first page of results You don't need to read every single word, but just like take 20 minutes and go through every page, just taking a couple minutes on each one right away. You'll start to see opportunities, Um, whether it's like, okay, you know, this, the format, the readability is kind of poor um, or there's like a lot of stock images, things like that over what I first noticed, but then also reading like, how does the content read? Is this empathetic? Does this have an angle or is this kind of just spitting out what everyone else is? And I kind of take mental notes so you can actually just have a pen and paper and jot down ideas. Um, I think some of the biggest opportunities is like, I don't know, I feel like a big trend in the last few years has been like the best way to beat your competitors is just write more content. Like the super page of like, well, if all your competitors have a thousand words, if you write 3000 and include every single question that could ever be on this topic, you will rank. And I have seen Google sometimes reward those pages. I've been seeing that less. Um, But sometimes like when I'm looking through the competitors, what I'll notice, and this, we actually did this for one of my clients. I noticed that all the top results buried the answer in a bunch of text. So sometimes being competitive is actually having less and being like, okay, let's make a 600 word page instead of 2000 and answer the question immediately. Um, So it's really just about determining like what are competitors, you know, missing, whether it's they're using too much content, too little, or their titles are kind of boring, like just looking where those gaps are. And I think I'm starting, this is something I'm really trying to switch my brain with is if I look at the top 10 results and I truly believe every single one of these pages, I cannot beat it, then I'd like to look at a different keyword. But this is actually pretty rare where there's like not one opportunity to do better. Yeah. 
there's always opportunities isn't there yes. and um to better content doesn't you you just said it to better content doesn't always mean more does it yes. like you don't always have to up the word count or it's just about being being the better answer and like you said if you can sort of give a more like give a better answer in a in less words then surely that's better for google and better for the user exactly so how do we know that our content is engaging for humans um i'm saying humans like i'm not one i know whenever i say that it's like we are the robots (laughs) so how how do we know like what sort of metrics should we be looking at and measuring yeah i i love this question um so I think one really good one that we, um, and this won't work for every single site, but um, for the, the site I was telling you about, the healthcare site, we, we ask for comments. So we end every article with a simple call to action, which is just a heading that says, like, what are your thoughts on this topic? Um, you know, we'd love to see them in the comments below so we can keep improving and, and sharing your ideas with more people. And we, we, even if it's just like 10 comments, we get some really good feedback in there. Um, especially for more of our popular posts, we can see, um, I think it's really helpful to see what people do like, so we can keep using those ideas and that kind of, you know, vibe. Um, but I actually think what's more helpful is seeing what doesn't resonate with people. Um, because that has really influenced our content strategy over time is understanding what type of language or ideas people, you know, feel we shouldn't use. Um, so it's just all super good information. And um, there's kind of an easy way too is you can go in Screaming Frog or Sightbulb um, and kind of play with the settings to see which pieces of content have the most comments. Um, so I like to pull that, you know, once or twice a year just to understand what topics are gathering the most engagement um, because that really influences what type of content we choose to create for the next quarter or the next year is seeing, you know, not just traffic metrics, but like, you know, what type of content are people actively starting a conversation with? So comments are definitely a big one. Another one I think too is, I mean, of course, CTA. So like if you have, you know, a link to a product page or a link to begin a free trial for your service, are people clicking on those? Are people actually doing that? That can be a great sign of engagement if people are kind of looking at your calls to action or looking at your Mm. products from there. And then kind of a final one, I love the navigation summary in Google Analytics. It is so like, I feel like a little scientist. I'm like, ooh, what are people like doing next? Like, what's the reaction from this? Um, But I like to see, and this is good with like some of your more popular posts because you'll have more data, um, but just see what people are clicking to next. So like, are they looking at some of the links that you have in your article, especially like if you have a well-placed link in one of the last paragraphs and you're seeing that that's getting a high percentage of next clicks, you know, people are actually reading your content. Um, So those are just three things that I kind of look at to determine like, you know, is this working for us? And uh, with the CTAs, so the ones that you're putting in the content, if people aren't clicking, then you know that um, those aren't the right call to actions for that page and you want to be testing out different ones to use. Um, So I suppose with these metrics, you should always be taking insights away from them, shouldn't you? And look at how you can always be bettering that page for someone. Absolutely. Yeah, it just, it teaches you so much. That's one of my favorite parts of my job is just kind of learning what people want and employing that. Because I think um, sometimes there is the, like, uh, we will create content, all our efforts will go into it, we'll publish it, and then 
and then it's live on the website and we don't necessarily do anything with that for a while whereas I think we're sort of missing a trick with that aren't we um we should always be like measuring seeing what's going on what's working well what's not so yeah I think there's a missing trick there sometimes would you agree oh yeah absolutely content updates are actually my like if I had to rate like my favorite like quote unquote SEO tasks it would be content updates I love seeing like going into Google search console and looking at the comments and seeing what people actually think about mm. what, you know, what we're putting out there, where, how people are finding us. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really, that's a really fun task. And it's really important to go back um, because you learn so much with creating new content too. Like maybe we completely stay away from this type of topic or maybe like yes. we should roll out the CTA across all of these types of blog posts. <laughs> like, you just learn so much and you have to just go back and make that a regular part of your strategy. So you've already mentioned a tool and it's one of my favorite tools as well, Screaming Frog. Would you say that that's one of your favorite SEO tools when it comes to like content or have you got some other in like your Swiss army uh, knife? What, what, um, I'm getting the quote wrong now. Your Swiss army knife? That's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> you got it. In your toolbox. Um, in your toolbox. In my, yeah, my SEO tool belt. Um, so, I mean, I love Screaming Frog, but when we're talking specifically about content, um, yes, I have a lot of tools that I love. Um, so the first one I'll share is, it's a free tool because we love free, right? Um, it's called Through, T-H-R-U-U-U. It's from Sam Schmidt and it is a free SERP scraper. And it's what's really cool is you put in a keyword and you can see the top 10 results for that keyword, both on desktop and mobile. And you can see right away what headings they have, their URL, title, meta description, word count. Um, and Sam just keeps adding more and more cool features to this. Um, one new feature he added that I've found really helpful is um, a topics feature. So it actually pulls the topics that are most uh, commonly used in the top 10 search results. Um, and I know this kind of sounds like it goes a little bit against what I was saying is don't look at competitors. Absolutely do. I think this just saves a ton of time and lets you really holistically look at a topic and understand what others have. And I think it also kind of shows you right away, like what's missing. Um, if there's kind of any major gaps, like right away, I can kind of see the opportunity when I notice of the top 10 results, only a couple are even using like the proper heading structure. This is super common, especially with like, you know, maybe some like lower competition keywords. So I like, I kind of right away, my brain is like, oh, cool. We've already got the structure beat. Now, how else can I improve on this? Um, so through is awesome. Have you used through Sarah? I have to say this is the first time I'm hearing of it and I've jotted it down because that's the first thing I'll be checking out tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And yeah, it's kind of a newer-ish tool, I think like two years ago. Sam, if you're listening, sorry, I don't know exactly how long, but that's when I started using it. I've got another one for you then. Have you used Hemingway app? Sorry, say that one again. Have you used Hemingway app? Hemingway. Yes, I've heard of that one. That one is so good. It's also free, free 99. Yeah. Um, so I use it for everything from like email copy to like social statuses. Um, but it's basically, it's a free app that you, um, it's literally just, yeah, HemingwayApp.com. Um, and you can just pop your completed article into there and it'll highlight where your readability can be improved. So it highlights in red, any run on sentences, it highlights in purple, any words that are too long. Like if you say the word utilize, they're like, come on, use the word use. We know it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and the whole goal is to get your like 
reading grade level down to a place where it's more accessible to a wider group of people. Like, so yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I think like you can't underestimate readability when it comes to SEO. Um, I know it's not technically a Google ranking factor, but I think it completely is, is if people are viewing a wall of text and you've got a bunch of big words and run on sentences. I don't know about you, but I'm clicking the backspace button as fast as I can. See, there's so much, so many things that Google has said, this isn't a ranking factor. And I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> Hands down, do not believe you. I, know, I, I don't either. And I think like, I mean, their algorithm is getting more and more sophisticated as years go on. So like, but right now I do still think there's that tipping point where like still some of these like annoying things still rank. I like to use the example of like the recipe site where it's like, you know, Brenda has to give you her life story for like 3,000 years before you can get the damn banana bread recipe. Yeah. And you just, this, this happened to me at the weekend. I was one, I was, um, it was Saturday night. So I was like, oh, I'm going to try a new recipe. And I had to scroll so much. And I'm like, I don't want to know the backstory. I don't want to know like where couscous comes from and the origins <laughs> and all. Do you know what I mean? Just give me the recipe. Oh. I completely get that. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the thing is, is like, that is what it takes to rank because the content like there's not a ton of ways that you can, I guess, differentiate it within, in terms of content. But I even just think like, if you feel like you have to include or want to include your story, why don't you just put the recipe first? Yes. I do not understand that because like, I, I've really never been able to understand that because like with category page content, we, if we include some contextual information, it is below the product feed so that people can get to what they want first. And then they have that information if they want it. That's what I think those pages should turn into because I understand needing to have some extra content. Um, But I would like to see, you know, eventually a search engine where like that contextual information isn't needed on the page. Maybe there's a, you know, schema or something that we can write to give that context so that we don't impede the user experience. But that's a whole other conversation, Sarah. I mean, yes, definitely. <laughs> Def- I mean, I feel like I could talk to you forever on, on, on this subject. But unfortunately, we are running out of time. Could you recommend any resources or anywhere to go for people to learn more about um, what you've spoken about today? Yes, absolutely. Um, so first of all, yeah, I, I talk about this all the time. It's kind of my, my passion. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, Abby Reimer and um, Twitter, Abby Reimer, MPLS. Um, So I I tweet about this stuff and talk about it on LinkedIn quite a bit. Um, Also, I write about kind of some really easy tips to start including more unique human content um, in a recent Search Engine Land article. And so that is just, um, I can like find a way to send the URL too, but it's just um, creative ways to source content ideas from UGC for SEO. Yes, it's a mouthful, um, but it gives eight easy tips um, to basically source more unique content right from the audience. So using things like forums, like Reddit and Quora, um, blog comments, using Twitter. Um, So there's a lot of good ideas in there if you're just like, how do I get started with this quote unquote more human content? Um, This gives you eight ideas that really anyone can use to kind of um, infuse more empathy in what they're writing. So, Abby, are you ready for a little bit of fun to end the podcast with? I am ready, Sarah. 
Okay, so we've been talking about humans. So I have three facts about the human body. However, one of them is a fib. One of them is false. And you have to tell me which one is false. Well, two truths and a lie. Let's do this. Okay, so fact number one, your thumb is the same length as your nose. Don't measure. I'm trusting you here. Number two, humans get an entirely new skeleton every 12 years. And my fact number three is humans require pure oxygen to breathe. Wow. I think it is false that your thumb is the same length as your nose. The false fact is uh, that we require pure oxygen to breathe because, did you know, oxygen makes up only about 20% of the air we breathe. Breathing pure oxygen would be fatal for a very oh long time. Oh my gosh. We grow a new skeleton? I know. I mean, mind blown. I was like torn between those two. I, these were well chosen, Sarah. I kind uh, <laughs> of mind blown. Also, I definitely... I didn't do it until after you told me the answer, but now I'm like sitting here with my like thumb on my nose and I'm going to have to go into the bathroom after this and just see and just, yeah, I need to know. Fun. Well, every day is a learning day. Oh, yes. And unfortunately, that's all for this week. I want to say thank you to Abby for joining us and sharing your wonderful knowledge. Oh, Sarah, thanks for having me and for all the awesome questions. This was too much fun. Yay, that is music to my ears. I'd also like to say thanks for uh, you, our listeners, for tuning in. New episodes go out every Tuesday and we are available on all podcast playing platforms. Uh, Visit www.womenintechseo.com to find out more about the community and getting involved. And you can also find out more about the podcast, such as speaking and sponsoring opportunities. Catch you all next time.